Good evening, and may the Lord bless us again tonight. I'd like to thank you, the church here, for the good week we've had together. It has really been a blessing for me and my wife. Um, I was looking forward to coming here for connecting again with some of the relatives and getting to know some of you better. And I, I have done that, and I've really appreciated that and enjoyed that, even though I'm sorry to say I haven't learned as many names as I would have liked to. <laughs> sort of forgetful. But what I've appreciated most this week is the fellowship we have had together. Thank you for your prayers. It's been a good week for me. It's been a good week of working together in this project. I, if we can call it a project. <laughs> appreciate your prayers. Appreciate your support. And... I think that's the richest part is the worship we have done together as uh, we fellowship here around the, the Word of God. Thank you, the men, the prayer group, and uh, thank you, youth. Some youth sitting here that are really supporting me and standing with me. I appreciate that. Thank you for all the food and all the hospitality and gifts, and thank you for that offering, too. God bless you for that, even though I have been fully blessed all narrative with uh, spiritual blessings <laughs> but thank you god bless you and my wife and i will leave with a special place in our heart for you <laughs> it's been a good week together and pray for us as we go back and and i hope as brother sonny said the effects of a week of meetings are not measured by how many people responded publicly or how many people or what all happened up front. I, I, my prayer is that this week has been a time of refreshing our commitment and strengthening our commitment and maybe purifying. Like Brother Sonny said, I, uh, he's spoken to me this week and I hope he has to the rest of us. He is that way. That's his love for us. He speaks to our hearts and is constantly, constantly drawing us closer, closer. And I hope that um, the renewal that we have felt this week as we looked at the great God, that it's not something that just happened this week. Hope it's something that can be long-term. Next week as you face life, as you go back to real life and uh, back to the job and the struggles and things we face, that we can remember who our God is and strengthen our faith and our commitment to who He is and to serve Him, to serve Him. Let's open our Bibles again to First Timothy, First Timothy 6. Especially the message this morning, I'd just like to encourage us. I wish we could talk more about Jesus and what Jesus is and who He is and but I'd like to finish the chapter now, the passage we have been, for the ones who haven't been here, we've been studying. Glad to see Uncle Eli here tonight. <laughs> uh, we've been studying 1 Timothy 6, verses 13. We've been studying basically 13 through 16, where he says he gives the charge to keep a commandment, to keep the commandment. And the backing he gives for that he gives a list of descriptions of who God is. He tells us that at the end of the world, when Jesus returns, the truth will be revealed, and we will see God for who he is, and we will see the truth as it really is. 
and not as the world sees it. And um, I'd like to encourage us to remember that we are believers because we believe in God. And I'd like to help us remember, young people and all of us, that we're different from the world, not because only because we did dress different, and I unapologetically, I'm just glad to dress different than the world. I have no problem. I just love to be different. Because there's reason to be different. But we are different from the world because we believe differently than the world. We think differently than they do. We have different values. We're living for different motives. We are believers in eternal values. We believe in God. We believe in spiritual, the spiritual kingdom. Isn't that wonderful? Wonderful we can be that. So let's read again. I'm going to start reading now in verse 12. The theme of, the chapter of this week has been fight the good fight. It's maybe the first time I say it. But the theme of this passage is fight the good fight of faith. And um, what we have been doing is laying the basis to help us fight the good fight of faith. So let's read it. 1 Timothy 6, verse 12. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show, who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. Tonight I'd like to look at the commandment. We have mentioned it different times during the week. I give thee charge that thou keep the commandment. And if I understand right, this probably includes more than this. might include the whole New Testament. But he's referring to the commandment in verse 12, to fight the good fight, to lay hold on to eternal life. And to fight the good fight, <clears throat> it's a fight of faith. And tonight I'd like to encourage us to remind us, I'd like to encourage us in the day and days we live in, when there's a lot of talk about politics and a lot of talk about right and left. And, and I'd just like to remind us that our kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And we don't get very excited about politics and about kingdoms and about... We pray about elections. We pray about elections. But the kingdom of God is not being built at, with elections. That's man's kingdom... It's hard for us, it should be hard for us to get excited about that because we're doing another work, we're building another kingdom. And we're excited about that. If we can understand what it means to fight the good fight of faith, it's a fight of faith. It's believing what we have said about, what we have seen this week about God. And as we notice this week, to acknowledge him, to take his character, his person, who he is, to take that truth into my life, to absorb it, to believe it, to live it, and it directs my life. His character, the character of God, 
directs our lives. And we get excited about God's kingdom and God's heart and God's plan and God's love and what God is doing. And I find it very hard to get excited about politics. It's so shallow <laughs> compared to the kingdom of God, what God is doing. God is moving in politics, we know that. I mean, God moves in governments. <laughs> I'm not sure you're going to say he moves in politics. God moves in the government. He's in control of the governments, and, and he can take care of that. We sure can. I don't even want to bother trying. But um, I get excited, and we should get excited about the kingdom of God. And we need to make our livings. We need to have business. We need to work, and it's good to do a good job. Whatever you do, do it right. Do it well. But always remember that number one, number one passion should be the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is built with people. The kingdom of God is built with people. And if I need to work to cover the expenses, which we need to work, and we need to work, and the, but the purpose should be to cover expenses for the kingdom of God, for my life and my children and the family. But the goal should be the kingdom of God because that is God's heart and God's, God's vision, God's dream. <laughs> it's more than a dream. God's vision is building the kingdom. And I think if, it's a shame sometimes that we're not excited about his kingdom like he is. And we get too excited about our things and about our, our jobs and our business. And again, do it right. I was impressed by looking at Delvin's tomatoes the other day. I think I might want to try that. Do it right. Do it good. But remember that the whole thing we're here for, the whole purpose, everything we do is to participate in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is people. Is the heart, the spiritual level of what God's doing in our lives. Fight the good fight of faith. And if we have understood, and this week we have only partially understood, who God is and the glory and the greatness and the wonderfulness of, of the mind of God, the, the will of God, the power of God. You know, God is moving. God is, God is everywhere. God is like a, it's a power, a force. He's closer to you than I am. He's closer to you than the person that sits beside you. God is with us. God is everywhere present. God's will, God's power is an active power. And he wants that power to be moving forward in the spiritual kingdom. Like we mentioned this morning, he's not that excited. He didn't want, after the resurrection, I don't know, well, I think I do know why. I don't totally understand it. Why Jesus didn't come back and march through Jerusalem. Get the 12 disciples to blow trumpets and march through Jerusalem. Here I am. I've resurrected. He did not do that. And if I said it this morning, but for the ones who weren't here, Jesus did not reveal himself as a resurrected Christ. He revealed himself only to the believers. If you can correct me on that, I'll, I'd like to hear it. But um, Jesus did not reveal himself to the world because he is building a spiritual kingdom. And the kingdom of God is among us. The kingdom of God is the spirit of God working in our hearts and building up a spiritual kingdom. And that's what we're all about. And that's what should be our goal. That's the way we think. When we make decisions in life, we make decisions about business, we make decisions about the future, we always have that in mind. But the kingdom of God is moving forward. The kingdom of God will move forward. The kingdom of God will be victorious. Someday the trumpet will blow. The heavens will open and Christ will return. And the kingdom of God will be victorious. That's the truth. And that's what we should live by. 
We're looking forward to that day and we'll plant tomatoes, milk cows, build. What, what all do you build? Do it right. But everything you do and every, especially every person you meet, remember we're building the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is built with people. The people you meet, the people you do business with, remember, you are to show Jesus. And again, that's why we're different than the world. That's why we're different. We think differently, and we're working within the framework. Let me see, who was it this morning? It was Brother Gerald, or someone used the word that I've been grabbing for all week, parameters. Is that what it was? Within the parameters of God's purpose. We live that way because we want to be that way. We dress differently because we want to be different. We want to work within his, within his plan. We want to work within his purpose. We love it. We want to. It's our thrill, our joy. It's not a burden. It's not a, a cross. It's because we want to be what he wants us to be. We want to live the way he wants us to live, unapologetically. Young people stand up unapologetically because of who God is. That's the whole basis. Every doctrine, every teaching, anything that's worth talking about is built on the character of God. And we should live by that and do it joyfully. To serve Him with joy. To praise and worship Him with joy because of who He is. We're in a warfare. We're in an active warfare. And that we forget too often too. We get so laid back and so easy and we just sort of hardly have time to pray, you know. We're so go to sleep instead of pray. And I, I have that type of problem too. But, you know, if we'd understand, if we could just tonight, I wish we could, if we could tonight go up and stand beside the Lord. Where, well, he's all over. But uh, if we go to heaven's portal, if there'd be a big porch or something out there, or we could go somewhere and we could look down at the world and see what's happening and, and we could just listen a little bit to God saying what's happening and what he's doing. Because God is acting. God is moving. Things are happening. And we can understand his heart. And catch that vision of his kingdom. And I'm not talking about big miracles and big shows of things. But what God is doing in the hearts of man. The hearts of man. That's what God's interested in. The salvation of hearts. Drawing people to him and people living for him. It's a fight. We're in a warfare. It's an active warfare, and that's why we need to pray. We people of prayer. I was going to mention that this morning when I talked about Antonio over here. I've traveled with Antonio. We went out back Nicaragua sometimes, sleep in hammocks. I like to sleep in a hammock. He'd rather sleep on the floor than in a hammock. I like to sleep in a hammock. I sleep on the floor. The floor gets hard, or the lice bite me, and some things like that. So I like the hammock, but he doesn't like the hammock. He likes the floor. We've traveled together, and I know something about Tonyo. Every morning, the first thing he does is pray. He's a man of prayer. He's a man of prayer. And one of the hard things about him, with what happened to Brian, it is I know, I think anyway, that he prayed every day for Brian. That's Tonyo, a man of prayer. If we understand what God is doing, and the power of God is moving forward, the kingdom of God is growing. The kingdom of God is moving forward. We should be men of prayer. We're at war. But we must remember what the war is. And please, we do not fight against flesh and blood. 
Satan has used that so much, we get distracted and we think that we're fighting against other people. When we fight against other people, we're not doing the kingdom of God. We're not working his work. We're not doing what he wants us to do. Our fight is not against people. Our minister is a minister of reconciliation with people. Broken hearts, humble hearts, seeking to build the kingdom of God with people. If you're struggling with people, we're missing the point. The fight is not against people. That's why Jesus showed us the example. People can persecute us. People can misuse us. And Jesus said it's going to happen. It's going to happen. He said offenses are going to come. We're going to be offended. It's going to happen. It's going to keep on happening. He does go on and say woe to the ones that cause it. But he says offenses are going to come. And we need to, brothers and sisters, we need to learn to forgive and let that go. And keep on with the kingdom of God. Because we are not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not fighting with Republicans or Democrats either. <laughs> Just remember that. It's getting close to elections. I know a lot of people. We're not fighting that type of fight. We're in a totally different, different world, different kingdom. We're building the kingdom of God. What God is moving and doing in the hearts of man. And please, let's remember. It's a fight of faith. And part of the fight, and one of the biggest places where we fight, one of the first places, is the fight is on in my own life. In my own heart. The battle of faith is often first right here. Temptations. I appreciate that. Brother here in the prayer room just a little bit ago. He said, let's also pray for ourselves. Thank you, brother. My wife's with me, and we're going to be leaving tomorrow. But you know, after, often after meetings, I find attacks of the Satan. Temptations come. Often when I'm traveling home, I think it's going to be wonderful traveling home with my wife. Uh, when I'm traveling home after a week of meetings, the enemy attacks me. And I know what it is to be tempted. After I'm tired. This has been a wonderful week. I've been charged. I've been charged up. <laughs> but often after I'm tired and I relax, you can, you can, we can drop back. And that is the battle. The temptations come. Temptations, all kinds of temptations. One of the hardest temptations for me, I don't know about you, is, is to forgive and to love and, and to maintain brotherhood. And that happens, first of all, right inside me. I can... I can lay awake at night and fight against people and struggle and argue. Oh, can I have wonderful arguments all alone. I can shower and argue. I can sleep and argue. I can drive a car and I can, I can argue for two hours straight. I think longer than that. But you know, if I want to learn in the spirit, that's the battlefield that I need to overcome. Let it go. Forgive and love. The preachers know what that's like. We need to do that before we get up front here. I haven't had that trouble here with you. Don't know you well enough. <laughs> but at home, I do sometimes. Sometimes I sit there, and before I'm getting up, I'm struggling, and the battlefield is within me to love. And if I cannot preach with love, and if I cannot preach with freedom and my conscience and my attitudes, I'm hindering the work of God. So the battlefield, number one, is right here. Some of us struggle with doubts. Some of us struggle with inner things. 
And sometimes you need to look for help. And I would encourage you again, please do. If you feel like you're in an area where you just can't seem to pick up and come out, look for help. Ask for a group of men to get together and pray for you. I told you about the time that when Brother Pablo was preaching and I went forward and cried like a little boy and Brother Dale prayed for him, there was release. There's another time that I found release in this same struggle in attitudes with some things that were happening. That was some years ago. And it was when I asked, well, I've done different things. The one time, I've done it more than once, I asked my wife to lay hands on me and pray for me. And I was struggling. Another time I asked the brethren, I asked brethren, please come together. And I asked Tonyo, my co-pastor, and the other men to lay their hands on me and just pray for me. That was a tremendous blessing. We need to do that because the battle within. You know, really, and this also, this, this battle is also extended then as we work with people. We're working with people like this and we're trying to lead people to Christ and we're helping them overcome their struggles. That's also part of the battle. But first of all, we need to take care of it in here. You know, the defeat of Satan is decided. Satan is defeated and he knows it. You read uh, if, uh, Revelations chapter 12. Satan is defeated and he knows it. He knows he has but a little time. And that's why he has great wrath. And he's out here just... But God is victorious. The kingdom of God, it's been settled. It's been decided. It's been won. Satan's destruction is decided. It's done. Just giving time. What is happening then in the battle of God if that's already been decided? You know, in Revelations 12, it says that the worship and the praise and Satan was cast out. Then it says, rejoice, heaven, rejoice. And then it says, woe to the people on earth because Satan has descended with wrath. Where is the battle going on today? In a way, we could say it's not between Satan and God anymore. That's been taken care of. Where's the battle going on? In our lives, in my life, and your life. And if we can maintain the faith and follow in believing and follow in believing and glorifying and obeying and serving Him, Jesus receives glory. I think Satan just delights. You young men sitting up front and young ladies serving the Lord. Satan takes delight if he could get one of you. And hurt God's heart by taking you away and destroying your faith. That's where the battle's going on today. In our lives. We as ministers, we know that. You know the example I used for the children the other day with the, when I'm looking at birds and the eyes looking at the birds. If we could only remember there's a big mind and big eyes watching us. Not literal eyes. But Satan is out trying to, he can't hurt God. He's out of heaven. He can't get to do any damage to God. He can't hurt the glory of God. He was so foolish in the beginning to think he could. Because he's a created being. He's not the creator. He could not harm God at all. But where God, where Satan still loves to hurt God's heart is what he can do with human beings. The people that God created and loves so much. He loves us. We as fathers understand how we love our children. That's what Satan loves to do. And if we can just remember, again, some of you men, if there's a lady in your life that's been tempted, there's a person, and that happens. Maybe you haven't told anyone. Remember, please remember, the mind of the enemy. And he can take time, he can take years at it. 
One time we meet the young lady or a young boy. One time we meet him. Another time, another time, and something starts happening. And something starts happening inside here. And little by little, something starts growing. And something, and you know, it's, it, can, it can become a strong call. Young men that are single or married men even. It can become a strong temptation. And we get so wrapped up in it, we just stop it. Whoa. And look back and see the great, see Satan. Have you Remember how a cat, you know how a cat hunts? A cat will squat down like this. And they real still. And only the tip of its tail goes. And he's watching a bird and lay real still. And the bird, if he's real still, the bird doesn't see him. And they lay real still. And I don't know if you notice when the bird looks away or what. Then the cat will move forward just a little bit and then he'll real still again. He's real still. And the poor little bird's over there playing around. And he doesn't see the big green eyes of the cat. And the cat gets closer and closer and closer. And then the cat pounces. But if we could only, when we have temptations, it, I was talking about lust and and um, impurity, but this could be materialism. It could be, uh, I think he does more harm in the church through bad attitudes and anger and hate among us. And wrong Adam, maybe I shouldn't say anger and hate. He starts smaller at least. Bitterness can grow as a small, small root. And it grows slowly and slowly and slowly. And this thing is growing within me. And the person that I once loved has become, become a, an irritation. And every time I think of him, you know, as you do that, as bitterness grows, I, I come to live with the person. If I love him, during the day I can forget him a while. But if I have an irritation with something, a bitterness grows, I live with him. I eat my meals with him. I bathe with him. I sleep with him. He's constantly on my mind. Nothing grows and grows, like it says in Hebrews 12, till that thing could just take over my life. But if we could only stop and see, whoa, the big eyes of the enemy looking and saying, I'm accomplishing what I want to do. Just give me time. He does, he's not in a hurry. He can take two years at it, five years at it. But his goal is destroying us, that we lose the faith. We lose the faith. And we have offenses. We have problems. Some have serious problems. But the fight, fight is a fight within us, within us. And there's so many, there's so many things. It could be envy, it could be you know, pride, there's so many things. But just remember, the fight, the main, number one area of the fight is within me. And it's not people, please. A lot of people, I see it all over. They spend days, weeks, months, and years thinking about other people and their problems. And not resolving it right where it needs to be solved, right here. Take care of it here, so I can forgive and love. And then the Lord can work with the other person but I need to take care of it here within me. The battle within. The battle within. And I just please encourage all of us to remember what Satan, and Satan is wise, and Satan sets traps, and Satan works a little here and a little there, and just slowly he is trying to destroy the people of God. He's just trying to church, trying to destroy the church. You don't have to tell me. But you have a beautiful church here, and I see the fellowship and things going, but you don't have to tell me. I know you have a lot of struggles and problems. There's no church on the earth that doesn't, unless they're dead as a doornail. Any church has got any life in it, and there are people seriously trying to serve the Lord have all kinds of struggles. But let's not get the dream idea that there's certain churches don't have problems, because if you don't have problems, it means the enemy's not at work. And if you're not, if you're not serious enough about serving God to get the enemy stirred up, 
you're not very serious. <laughs> but the enemy is at work. And especially he works when the kingdom of God is being advanced and things are happening. Don't, we don't get this illusion that there's certain people. I really don't, don't like all the things that said, well, about my fa dad's family and the family. Dad's a wonderful man. I love him. But he's human, and there's a lot of attacks on dad, just like the rest of everyone. We're, that's just life. But anyone who's serious about serving God will have all kinds of struggle. We'll be in active warfare. And that warfare, number one, is in here. Before I'm out here working with people, it's first in here. And we need to see that. And the battle is on. And the glory of when I can come through a battle and humble myself and love and worship him. The glory of God and the defeat of Satan. The defeat of Satan. This battle is the battle of all. Then it also includes working with people and helping others and praying so that God can, and witnessing and encouraging and counseling and loving and helping. The battle is winning souls. Now I know we don't all have the same gifts and that's okay. God planned it that way. That's no problem at all. We don't all have to do the same thing. Not everyone is a, is a person out front. And I um, hope you understand when I say this. I don't like to organize things. I'm not a good organizer. Like this week, and if you plan where meals, and whoever put this meal together, they did a good job. And that was wonderful out there. We had that meal together. But that organizing makes me nervous. I don't like organizing. I've got a real weakness. I, believe it or not, when you tell me left or right, I have to stop and think a little bit. Sometimes I twitch my arm, which is the right hand. I have a hard time with directions. I, I really do. I, I, my wife knows and that sometimes I, I, get, I have a tremendous weaknesses. But if I may say this, my passion is, is teaching. You know. But there's other men who don't like to teach and preach. But they like to organize. Hey, the old lady that died, the last years, I couldn't, I'm not sure if she did anymore because her mind was gone. But I used to tell Teodo Linda, Linda, I'm going for meetings. Like if I came here, Linda, I'm going for meetings. And she'd say, I'm praying for you every day. I know she prayed for me. And the last while, her mind, I hope she was still praying. I'm not sure. Because uh, she was so deaf, we couldn't even communicate anymore. But uh, there was a time when I know she would, she told me, and I know she would pray for me every day. We had a crippled man in the church. I baptized him on his bed. I baptized him. We didn't give him instruction class. We thought he was dying. So he had faith, and he asked for baptized, and I had baptized him right on his bed. Uh, only person I got baptized on his bed. And he said, the most, he said, it's the most wonderful day of my life. He lived some years longer. And I'd also like to tell him, I'd say, Hermano Alfredo, Alfredo, I'm going for meetings. I'm going here. And he said, I'm praying for you. And, he, and I said, and I'd say, please pray for me. And the answer is always the same, every day. Every day. Now you tell me, in the work of the kingdom of God, I was up front preaching, and they were praying, the old lady praying. We're all doing a part. I cannot say that I'll have any better work. She actually might have a bigger reward than me. It really doesn't make a difference. We're all doing a part. Some of the people organize. Some of them get things together. People usher here and this thing flows together good. And we're all doing a project together. It's not that important who does what. We all have our weaknesses. Others have strengths. In the context of brotherhood, we're in warfare together and we're building the kingdom of God.
that's so beautiful. I don't know. I don't know the names here, but if you have a young sister who's sort of small and frail, <laughs> I could grab one at home. But I don't know. And maybe you think she's sort of weak. Maybe she's young. But you know, if she, if you, if a young lady like that takes seriously about praying and praying for the work of God and just spends time in prayer and uh, maybe sends little notes of encouragement, maybe she can't even send notes of encouragement, but she can pray. And she might have as much effect on the work of the kingdom of God than the man that's preaching or the man that's out counseling or advising. We all have a part. And if there wouldn't be people organizing things, things wouldn't go right. If I'd have to organize everything, we'd have problems. Uh, so it's all a project together, and it's a battle. It's a struggle for the king. It's building the kingdom of God. And it's not that important what we do. It's that we're all part of it. Yeah? We're just a part of it. And really, you know, this is the most important battle. It's the battle of all times. Since creation to now, this is, this is the whole story. It was planned before creation. There's a lot of things I don't understand. But God's plan has been to build a kingdom, a spiritual kingdom. God did not want a kingdom that makes parades and blows trumpets and makes a big political and powerful human show. He wants spiritual people to love and to minister grace in the person of Jesus Christ. And each one can participate. I think, I don't know, I'll let the Lord decide that, but I imagine the Lord will reward more, more according to the sincerity of the heart and the motive and the purity of the motive in the heart. I know he will more than the power of the voice. People said yesterday, Dad has a strong voice and I've inherited sort of a little bit when I sing. I used it in the chorus. I remember when I was here years ago, and Donnie took me along. He was singing the chorus. I don't know where we went. Went somewhere to give a program, and he invited me along. I enjoyed that, Donnie. But I remember uh, he sort of very discreetly said when we were a little practicing, the bass calmed down, slowed down a little bit. I knew right away. They always tell me that. <laughs> they always tell me that. <laughs> because when I'm singing bass, I get fired up, and I get to going, and I think I have a preacher's voice. Just recently, we have a chorus at home where... We, we sing together, and the same thing happened again. They recorded it. We wanted to record. We wanted Spanish recording. and did some recording, and, and when they played it back, I just go, oh, dear. I mean, and um, the director said so. He said, uh, we need the bass sort of slow down a little bit. <laughs> We're, oh, I know, I know. Um, but, you know, I found a joy in just, you know, I'm just going to drop back and sing quiet. And I just found a real joy in accepting that. Um, but, you know, we all have difference at the... For sure, there's an advantage to a loud voice in some things, maybe. But for other things, it's not. But for sure, the power of the Holy Spirit does not depend on a strong voice. And you know, there's some politicians that can speak tremendous speeches. And that's, that's not mix that and get confused with the power of the Holy Spirit. God can use loud voices, that's okay. But the Holy Spirit is another force. And that's what we all need to look for. And we need to all do what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. We're in the battle of faith. And again, I'd like to encourage us in the battle within. We know the outcome. And the battle is for souls of man. That's the main thing. Let's not forget that. If you're building... Or whatever you're doing, remember you're building and we're doing this to help cover expenses and work. Every contact you man, every man you meet, every lady you meet, every person you meet, 
we think about the kingdom of God is people. It's people. <clears throat> the battle of faith, and let's not give up. Sometimes Satan gets us discouraged. Sometimes I get discouraged. I not long ago asked the Lord, I was sort of discouraged, thinking about some things in my own life. And I asked him, Lord, to give me a little confirmation. This is me. Just not long ago. Lord, give me a little confirmation that it's still okay. I was seeing so many of my own weaknesses. The children didn't realize it. I had a birthday a few weeks ago. This is just a few weeks ago. And they put it on lavishly. They wrote in the card, and I sat there and cried. I sat there and cried. I, don't, I told my wife later, but I don't think the children even, I didn't tell them. The words of encouragement from my children encouraged me again. Because sometimes we see our failures, and we have lots of them. Sometimes we look and we think we're so far short yet. And that's where the brotherhood, in the context of brotherhood, we can work together, we can encourage each other, and we can work. And let's be encouragers. Oh, in this kingdom work, I want to be an encourager. It's easy to be a discourager. You know that? You know what it's like? That some people, and you, you, you can talk with them five minutes, you can talk with them ten minutes, and they discourage you. Well, sometimes I can be that way. Or we can be encouragers, and I want to be an encourager. I want to encourage and build up faith, and you do too, don't you? Let's encourage the battle of faith. We're in a battle. It's the battle of all battles. Let's work together in the kingdom of God. Now, the next commandment, there's two commandments here. One is fight the good fight of faith. The next one is lay on. Lay hold on to eternal life. That's an interesting concept. Lay hold onto eternal life. That means like, take a hold of it. Get a hold of it. Hold it. Get it. We know that it's like taking possession of eternal life. It's reaching out and getting hold of eternal life. We know that eternal life is a gift from Jesus Christ. It's from him. He is life. He, the wonderful plan of redemption, the wonderful work he did on the cross, Resurrection, his ascension to heaven, the sending of the Holy Spirit, the plan of salvation is set into action. And the marvel is that we can be saved. That's a marvel of marvels. We as sinners can be saved. And he, the greater part of it, he has done. It's all set in. It's there. It's set up. It's ready to go. And it's real and it works. We can be saved. But we need to remember we need Take hold of it. It's all there. But if I don't receive it, if I don't go and receive, if I don't repent and receive Jesus, it won't be mine. We need to, we need to take a hold of it. We need to, to take that effort of repenting and of seeking Him and looking for Him and make that decision. Because if we never make the decision, we'll never have it. And I could, I'd just love to speak more about Jesus. If you think about the qualifications of Jesus for being our Savior, study the book of Hebrews. Some years ago, they asked me to, and I got paid for it. That was an extra blessing. But they asked me to do a Bible study in the book of Hebrews, and I studied that whole book word by word, phrase by phrase. And um, wonderful book. 
And if we'd study the qualifications of Jesus, he is able to save us. He's got all the qualifications necessary to save us. It's all set up, ready to go. But remember, we need to take a hold. We need to make a decision. We need to keep that decision. We can let the enemy discourage us and lose out. I have seen so many people that I know were on fire for God. I know they were serving God. And I saw God bless them. I'm not going to get into stories. I'm thinking something, something right now. People that God was working in their lives and difficult suffering. I remember one sister was tremendous suffering. And I saw the Lord do victories in her life. It was incredible. I remember the time she said, she just discovered some things about her husband that were not. She told me, after I'd preached a message on love, she told me, I hate roaches. And says, and I hate my husband. I hate him. And then her lips started and she's crying. But she says, no, I can't be a Christian like this. My wife and I, we just knelt with her and I laid my hands on her. And I prayed the blessing of Jesus because she was realizing that she couldn't serve God with that hate in her heart. She had just discovered something about him. And you know, the next few days she comes back and says, he did it. Her face was, she got up after the prayer and she went out feeling better. And a few days later she said, I did it. I called him up. He wasn't at home anymore. He lived somewhere. I called him up and told him I forgave him. He never asked for forgiveness. He never even, he didn't even know, I think, that she knew it, what was happening. But she called, I called him up and told him I forgave him. And the, just the joy of the Lord shone in her eyes, she told me that. But you know, some day late, sometime, no, some years later, one day went to visit, she says, she says, Hermano Marcos, I can't anymore. I can't take anymore. It's too much. I've suffered so much. And it's true. She had suffered years, years. She says, I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I don't think I can stand anymore. And after that, after that discussion, I knew we were in serious trouble because her faith was leaving. She was losing her faith. And when you lose your faith, they're gone. And she gave up. She gave up. I'm still praying for her. But that happens. We need to take a hold. We need to stay a hold. And that's our responsibility. We can let Satan, we can let the enemy do work in our lives. And in this case, she started thinking too much, pitying herself. I've suffered so much. I can't take it anymore. People don't understand. I have to suffered so much. I just can't handle it anymore. I don't know what she thought about leaving. The Lord's going to help. The problem didn't get any better. It got worse. That's the foolish thing that Satan tries to deceive people. What does it help to leave the Lord? The problem's still the same. Her husband's still out there with another woman. He's still out there. It hasn't helped a bit. What did it help her to leave the Lord? Nothing. It got worse. Soon she was living with a man. It just got worse. But that's what Satan does. And so this is what it says. Take hold of eternal life. Hold on to it. Don't let go. And that means keeping our life in tune with the Holy Spirit. Praying and seeking Him and, and being close to Him. And watch the wrong attitudes and watch the enemy. If I attain it, I have it. If I lose it, I lose it all. If I attain Jesus, I have everything. If I lose Jesus, I lose everything. And he is everything. But our own decisions, our own choices, we can turn around and walk away from him. So take hold on eternal life. Number one, better lose all your business, lose everything you have. But don't lose your salvation. 
Some people sell their salvation for $1,000. Some for less. Don't lose your salvation. That's my responsibility. Jesus has got it all set up. All the, everything's ready to go. We can be saved. The bridge is made. We can walk across it. We can be saved. But we need to make the decision. We need to take a hold of it. And this decision, I'd like to encourage the ones to hold on to it have already made the decision. Most of us here tonight have made that decision. The enemy is trying to pull you away from it in a hundred, a thousand and one different ways. He's trying to get us away from it. But this decision, and for young people and people here tonight who have not made this commitment to Jesus Christ, this decision we must make personally, each one personally. Each one personally needs to decide to take hold of eternal life. Lay down whatever it takes. Get, repent, lay anything down to take hold of eternal life. Find Jesus. Live for Jesus. And that takes some effort on our part. It's not just that he does everything and we just sit back and he does it all. We need to decide. We need to seek him. We need to, to make decisions. We need to surrender to him. We need to give in. We need to obey so that the power of Jesus can do his work in us. But it, our decision on this decides our eternal destiny. Something almost makes me tremble when I think of that. My personal decisions and your decisions, young people's decisions, decide eternal destiny. Serious. He says also here that, um, I'd just like to touch this. He says, I give you the charge to keep the commandment. Again, we see something here that's in the Bible. And I think, you know, this is the difference between the Anabaptist faith and the Protestant faith, but that's not that important. We just, I just, just study the Bible. The Bible tells us to keep the commandment, and that's our part. We can't blame him when we don't do our part. Our part, compared to his, all he did, we just have to do a little bit. But we must do that. We must do that part. We need to keep it. We need to be careful and keep it. We need to be zealous to keep our part. Because he says, I give you charge in the sight of God that we do this. And it's interesting, he says here, I give you the charge. He says, I come, that's like saying, I command you. You know, in Acts, we think about Jesus as inviting us to salvation. And Jesus does invite, and he calls and invites. But you know, Jesus also commands us to repent. In Acts, it says, in the times of ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. What did Jesus preach? What did the apostles preach? What did Jesus say? Repent. He didn't say, whoever out there would like to repent, uh, there's an opportunity here. It's a good deal. If you want to repent, you can come repent. No, he says repent. I think we've missed that sometimes. The love of God, the, the love in his heart, the weight on his heart. He tells us, and I'm talking now to the people who haven't made this decision or maybe have stepped back on it. He tells us, he looks you in the eye and he says, repent. He commands it. And it's a command of love. I can almost see his eyes with tears. Repent. Please repent. 
before it's too late. Before Brainerd, that story of Brainerd, I even believe I just agonize over that. Antonio's, as his uncle, did even more, you know. Why didn't he repent before he went into eternity? And God, that's why God looks at us and he just does say, if you want to repent, you can repent. He looks at it and the voice, I think, all eternity repents. Take hold of eternal life. Keep the commandment. For our salvation depends on it. Then he says, keep this commandment without spot. Unrebukable. I'm not going to spend too much time with that. That can scare us. Uh, maybe if we look at it, he says, keep the commandment without spot and unrebukable. You know, we all fail. We're all so many needs and we fail at times. But I think what he's telling us here, we, we be sincere. We be sincere and serious about serving God. Now it's true that we have many failures and we often fail. Um, we're human beings. But one of the worst things we have is the tendency of being two-faced. I can be up here preaching and give one impression, but when I'm all alone and I have the opportunity to look at a pornography, I can do it. Or when I'm all alone and no one's looking at me, I can look at the ladies or whatever else, you know. That's just one example. We have, the, we have this tremendous problem of being two-faced. In certain places, we are not sincere. We, we, we sort of Give in, we give in. And I think what he's saying here is that we keep the commandment of God sincerely. Now I was looking at the word sincere. The word sincere comes from a Latin word that means sincera. It sounds a lot like Spanish, but it's like, it's close to the Spanish, it's without wax. Be without wax. The commentator said that what I was looking at today, this afternoon, says that it's like looking at honey and that the honey doesn't have any wax in it. Could very possibly be that. But I've heard another, another description, I didn't see it today, is that years ago they used to make images uh, out of gold. And some of the, the men, when they make this image out of gold, they would, you know, leave it hollow on the inside. Uh, of course, if they weighed it, wax is not as heavy, but sometimes they, I, I can't prove this, but then they'd fill it, they'd put, make it, you know, with partly, save a lot of gold that way, you know. Make the image and leave it inside and then pour it, fill it full of wax. You pick it up and it's still heavy, but it's, on the inside, it's wax. You know, when it comes to mind, this is where we need to each look at ourselves. Am I gold all the way through? Or am I serious about my Christian life all the way through? Everywhere, anytime, all the time. And I think that's what he's talking about. We'd be serious and sincere. Not have certain areas when we, we turn into wax. Each one of us knows our areas where we struggle with that. But that we be sincere, without spot, and unrebukable. We are serious about God no matter where I am, time of the day, if I'm all alone, everywhere I am. I'm serious because I am serving God. <laughs> and it's sort of easy for us to forget who this great big God is and he sees us. You know, sometimes we look around like this and see if someone sees us. We should, oh, he's right here all around me. You know? But we shouldn't do it only out of fear. We should out of love be sincere, be Genuinely serving God. Until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. When's that going to be? 
There's times I get tired. There's times I'm ready to go home now. <laughs> so, Lord, just come back. I want to go home. That's the way Hermana Linda, she wanted to go home. She was praying for years to go home, and she was, she was deserving it. She's 100 years old. I'm not sure. Sometimes I feel like going home now. But then when I think about the many people that still don't load the Lord, then I say, Lord, wait, just wait a little bit. Just, just give us a little more time. And I think that's God's heart. But, you know, he will return. And we're supposed to stay in this battle. We're going to, this is part of the battle, and the consummation of the battle will be, the end of the battle will be when the sky is split and he comes back and it's all over. But you know, for some of us, he called us home earlier. And like I said the other day, we should not run from death. When dad had his heart attack, we faced that and we talked about it. Death is the last step of salvation. <laughs> it makes our salvation complete when we go home. But that's the battle till he calls us home. Till he comes or till he calls us home. The battle is on. And there's a saying in Spanish that says, we don't rest until we die. <laughs> it's good to take a little vacation. I'm hoping to take a little, my wife and I take a little break here tomorrow night. We set up something here, go rest a little bit. I think it's okay to do that. Um, but remember, even when you take the days off, the battle is not ended. And sometimes on the days off, the enemy is right there. But the battle is on and the battle is alive. The battle is active till the end. Time is moving towards the end. Now just lately, a brother reminded us of that at home. You know, you can't stop time. Time is moving. It's like it's a river, and it's going, it's going, and you can't step back. You can't. Time is going on, and every day we're getting closer and closer to the end. Time is moving. We're getting close. Closer. How close, we don't know. No one knows. But time is moving forward. And we can't stop time. Let's be doing the Lord's work. And you know, I'd like to now, if there's people here tonight who have not given their life to the Lord ever, or maybe people who have backfallen, you know, we only live life once. When I hit 50, when I turned 50, it's, it has sort of startled me. 50? And I thought I'd better get on doing what I want to do. That's right. You young people, young boys, the same way. Let's get on doing what we want. You're going to live life only once. I can't go back. I just got turned 56 the other week. I can't go back now. What I did in those 56 years is done. And life is moving forward. We only live once. Young men, what do you want to do? Young men, what do you want to do with your life? Stop thinking, what do you want to do with your life? Do it now. Do it now. And if some of us are older, do what we want to do to get ready to go to heaven, to get ready to be in the kingdom of God. Do it now. And I'm sure the older people here uh, would say that life has been so short. I can hardly believe it that I'm 56. I still feel like I'm a lot younger. But life keeps moving, and life is short. We only live once. And there's only one cause where they're living for. If you stop and think about it, there's only one cause where they're living for. All the rest of them end up in the rubbles and in the past and all forgotten. There's only one cause worth living for. It's for the Creator, the Lord God of hosts, living for Jesus. 
Go for it. I like to encourage people, go for it. Give it all you've got. Die to yourself. Give up on your own pride and serve him. That's what we're here for. The amazing thing about this is no one can make this decision for us. Not dad, not mom, not the preacher, no one else. And I've heard a lot of people say, and I have a hard time trying to convince them not that way. They say, I'm going to wait till God really talks to me. Brian had tried that. I told you that this morning. I didn't find that out after he was gone. He was telling his family, I'm going to wait till God talks to me. And I'm, I think it was probably Tonya's prayers that God spoke to him. We don't know how. We still don't know how. He just came home and said, God, talk to me. God did that to Brian, but I want to tell you something. Most times, he doesn't necessarily. He has spoken. He has no obligation to come again and shout at you. He has spoken. And he has commanded us to repent. And we need to do that. But we make the decision, we either lay hold of Jesus or we reject him. We either receive Jesus in our lives or we reject him. And that's where it just gets heavy, it seems to me, that's the responsibility of decisions. But the best decision a human being can ever make. There's no other decision as important as the decision to lay on hold of eternal life, to receive Jesus and to serve Jesus. And be a part of the great kingdom of God. It's marching forward. And we will reap the results of our decisions in eternity. In eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for calling us to the kingdom. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful week. Fellowshipping together and looking at you and praising you and worshiping you. We thank you, Lord, for renewing us in our commitment to you. But right now, Lord, our heart goes out. If there's anyone here tonight, maybe a young person has never committed their life to the Lord, that you would call them through your Spirit. And they would see and understand and make this decision of giving their lives to you, Lord, to surrender, to repent, to give up serve you. Then, Lord, if there's any here that are backslidden, that used to be in your ways and has slid back, and there's so many causes for that, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would do the work, Lord, and there could be a brokenness and we come back to you. We're just trusting you and looking to you. In Jesus' name, amen.